Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your co-host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. And coming to you from rural Virginia, I am J.P. Miller. Guys and girls, welcome to the show. It is episode 121. JP 121 brother this is uh man we're we're getting up there i'm going to have to use an abacus to start counting the episodes at this point because i i've run out of fingers and toes and we're going to have to you know keep it going but we're having so much fun and there's such good racing going on right now uh you can't stop us right now i mean the worldwide track continues to go on yes sir it is dead in the middle of the season and the points battles are heating up and a lot of good racing going on a lot of great racing going on all over the place a lot of action to talk about so i'm excited and we get we did our live show from the pdra pro stars a couple weeks ago that was uh, so much fun and again thanks to the pdra for putting that event on it ended you know not the way tyler and the crew would have liked that a little uh, rough with the timing system and another event but that said that event was spectacular uh the racing was unbelievable right up until uh it wasn't i guess but uh you know we had a lot of people come over you know really um say you know they listen all the time all that stuff we have you know long time listeners of the show that's great that was really cool to talk to some people that that listen but what i would say is hey we're not going to stop we've got excellent guests coming up uh planning for the rest of the season here i mean it's going to be including this show but there's going to be some awesome guests the rest of the summer and so uh you know help us get the word out a little bit give your little reviews it means nothing you can just say um help or uh let's go or you know fast brackets rules whatever it might be fast brackets nation and then help us on the reviews that way. And then help us on Facebook and all that stuff, getting the show out. Because uh, we've we've got some great guests coming to you uh, the rest of the summer. And also today. So uh, really excited about today's show, JP. Because I think we've got some good ones. Yeah, definitely got some good guests. And uh, I had a ball at the Pro Star race as well. Except for going 006 red in the first <laughs> round. But uh, outside of that, everything else was great. Um Outside of the, like I said, the couple of little mishaps that they had at the end of the show, but up until that point, that was a stellar event. And so, hats off to Tyler Cross, known PDRA, and Tommy and Judy Franklin for putting that old whole deal together. It was a uh, packed house and um, great crowd, great racers everywhere, great competition, and I had a ball. 
Yeah, um, it, it was an excellent event. Tyler, um, you know, dealt with a kind of an unfortunate situation at the end, but um, you know, he like a pro uh, figured it out. And uh, man, I can't wait to go back next year. Um, I don't get to see as many PDRI races as I'd like, but that one was a good one. Um, and so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But uh, JP, we've got two great guests to come on the show. One, uh, they've both been on the show before, but they're winning. So we always let elite and winners come back on whenever they want. Uh, guys, girls that are getting it done. And so I'm really excited to have back on the show Ashley Johnson, Ashley Tidrick Johnson, um, a top dragster standout. She is uh, just flies down there and won here recently in Martin, Michigan. And then also returner Jeff Melnick. Man, Jeff, is uh, he's going to tell his story, what he's been dealing with here for the last year, which is pretty phenomenal. And then, you know, just the ups and downs, uh, some really good ups here as of late in uh, Pro 632. So very cool stuff with Jeff. Can't wait to have you guys listen to his story and just see uh, how hard that dude is working. Um, and, you know, really uh, pretty impressive dude. So I'm excited to have them both back on. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on that old heap. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on. Get strapped in because here we go. All right, let's uh, get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box, JP. And it's summertime. It is hot, but we have we have some great stuff to talk about. Do we not? Um, and in terms of the drag racing world and what happened this past weekend. Yeah, and uh, I think it's about time that we, as a drag racing community, start highlighting this type of stuff more than we highlight the negative. Um, as far as what happened this past weekend there was a lot of racing and a lot of marquee events going on and from everything that i saw they had great crowd attendance at all of them which is you know we've been preaching it and people like west bucks been preaching it that is what we need in drag racing we need fans in the stands and for all intents and purposes uh pdra um the norwalk uh you know the, yeah, let's break this a, thing down for a second. So first of all, like we had a lot of events in the Midwest specifically, right? So we had yeah. a PDRA race uh, in Martin, Michigan. So, you know, pretty centrally located to the middle of the country. That was a little bit of a haul for our East Coast folks. Um, but uh, and we know what that's about. I, I, at least I know what that's about coming from Indy to Virginia. So it's uh feels very similar to go Virginia to Michigan the other way. So I get that. Uh, but that was a, a really nice event. Then you've got uh, here in Indianapolis, you've got the Division three NHRA event, which while it probably wasn't overly well attended from a stand, you know, a uh, fan standpoint, there were a lot of cars there. I mean, I drove by there, saw a lot of cars there. Then, you know, we've got a similar event in Maple Grove. That was a regional out there, an HR regional, which Maple Grove, uh, the Kretzkys out there stepped up and took, you know, took advantage of uh, a bad situation, made it a good situation, brought the regional event there, uh, pretty well attended, I believe. And that, that facility, JP, is unbelievable. I just, I 
it quickly became one of my favorites on the tour, that Maple Grove place. And then Norwalk had their night of fire, and by all accounts, that place was packed as it usually is. So, I mean, we're talking about uh, several, a handful of events in the Midwest, all running top sportsmen, all pretty full fields, uh, if they're not completely full, close to being full, and and then the stands, you know, people butts in the seats type of stuff were there. So I mean, man, it's a it's a good it's a good weekend for us as drag racers to puff our chest out. Uh, definitely, and that's that's good. Um, always good to see. And with all the news about tracks closing, this, that, and the third, you got to give your hats off to people like. Uh, you know, the Koreskis and PDRA and the Bader family for, you know, putting on these great events um, and, you know, having having things to keep people interested. You know, they fireworks and jet cars and nitro funny cars and, you know, concerts and, and, and all of that stuff. And it, and, it, and it keeps the crowd entertained and it and it keeps you something to do when you, you know, have cars not going down the track or if you get tired of sitting up in the bleachers, you come out and you know, listen to a concert or get a pound of ice cream or what have you. So it's always good for those type of things to happen in those events to be well attended. And I'm hoping that that keeps happening in the future. Is it, is it too much to ask to have, uh, to add some, uh, maybe showgirls or a bikini contest along with that list of things that you were, uh, you know, putting the jet cars and I mean, is that too much to ask or am I, should I just be live well enough alone? I mean, you see them do it at various different <laughs> events uh, <laughs> throughout the. I know up at MIR, I know they do a they do a motorcycle race, and I think they have some of that type of stuff. Um, and you know the that XDA series, but it yeah, it's it, oh I mean, yeah, like you talk about like the motorcycle guys, you talk about uh, you know monster trucks or certainly any of the monster energy group. Like they they're barely wearing anything. Like, but uh, you know, drag racers, we we keep it a little more family friendly. I suppose. Well, we gotta we gotta we, we gotta keep it respectable because it's a lot of families and a lot of you know, we don't want husbands you know getting smacked upside the head. So we gotta keep it <laughs> we gotta keep it light. But it, it, there's probably room. Listen, for I'm all about <laughs> teaching. I'm all about teaching. And so you know, if my nephews need taught a little bit about you know. <laughs> what they can expect in their college years, then so be it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Anyway, uh, sorry, got a little sidetracked there. But the point of the matter <laughs> is this. There was a lot of great racing. There was some great promotion going on. And truthfully, as fans, um, you know, fans pack the stands. And, and, like, there should be none of this. Uh, drag racing is dead. It's, you know, uh, woe is us. None, none of that. We should be sticking our chest out, being very proud of the efforts that went in as racers, as promoters, uh, you know, as track operators. Uh, great, great weekend as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, definitely great weekend. And, you know, if you doom and gloom and drag racing is this and you don't you know sell all your stuff sell your car sell your trailer go play backgammon golf or whatever you want to do and let us who still love the sport and who's still passionate about the sport have it because we're tired of hearing it so don't even come around me with that because i don't want to hear it anymore you heard it folks you heard it folks from jp i mean don't bring it uh and there's actually no reason to bring the negativity this weekend because it was great so i cannot wait 
for the rest of the season. I think this is, and you know, next year and on and on. I think what we've got um, is from the American public is uh, good and it is um, very, very tailored. I, the longtime listeners of the show will, will tell you that I told you this going into COVID that this was going to be good for drag racing. And I think this is my opportunity to pat myself on the back, assuming I can't break my arm. So uh, here <laughs> I don't break my arm. But uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a good weekend. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. I am so excited to have our next guest back on with us. She was on the show on episode number 10. I mean, she's really an OG of the show. So if you have not listened to episode number 10, stop right now. Go back into your SoundCloud or iTunes account. uh, Look up and listen to episode number 10. And uh, you can hear Ashley Johnson talk. And I'm so glad to have Ash back on. Uh, She's from, first of all, she's from Cynthiana, Kentucky. Maybe the fastest neighborhood in the country um, with all the cars that are laying in within uh, arm's length of uh, of that little town in Kentucky. Ashley Tidrick Johnson, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me, Rex. Yeah, um, I'd definitely say we'd had the fastest neighborhood. <laughs> right. <laughs> two, yeah. two mile radius, you got four cars, so... Yeah, um, it's it's your car, obviously, your top dragster, your husband's yep. top sportsman car, Andrew, um, yep. father-in-law. My father-in-law, and then Cheyenne Stanley. So we're all within a two-mile radius of each other. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know if that's the fastest neighborhood in the country, but it feels like it to me, so we're going to go with that. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Um, well, I, I am. Uh, I, I heard a little bit of the play-by-play from your father, but I thought it was. I mean, you guys had a great weekend. You guys have traditionally run a lot of Division Three stuff. Um, certainly, that's where you you cut your uh, bones running uh, the juniors and and a lot of top dragster stuff. But you guys went north. You guys have made a concerted effort to run some PDRA the last several years. And uh, went to Michigan this weekend and had yourself uh, a, quite a weekend winning that event. But I understand it did not start off very well. No, it did not. We, uh, at the Norwalk National event, we hurt my blower. And we actually took it apart right before first round. Matt Sackman helped us take it apart and discovered that we had a bearing, front bearing issues with that. So we decided to take it back to our blower guy. Well, it's three weeks out from that race to this race, and he said he could have it back within two weeks. Well, it's Tuesday, and we were supposed to leave Wednesday afternoon when my mom got off work, and we still don't have a blower. Um, Dad called him about 5 o'clock, actually at 2 o'clock on Wednesday, shortly after I showed up there, and the bearing, well, backtracking a little bit, Friday, that Friday before, um, he called. My dad called to check see how things were going. They had a wrong bearing come in. Oof. So that that's a, that's the start of it. So then Tuesday, he called to check to see how things were going. Still, so supposedly the bearing was out for delivery. He was supposed to call my dad back before five o'clock. Hadn't heard anything. Wednesday comes, dad hadn't heard anything from him at all. 
it wasn't until 8 o'clock Wednesday night that he finally called my dad and said, hey, this bearing never showed up. Um, this is what I can do to get you guys up and going. He said, I know you need to have this blower for you tomorrow because we were at the point where we're like, well, it's Wednesday. At this point, we're not even going to go to this race. So it took grandpa, my grandpa and grandma decided, luckily they're, they were, they're willing to do anything and everything for me. They dropped whatever they were doing Thursday morning and went up two hours, two hour or so be a four hour round trip to get this blower for me for us to make it up to Martin. We, they rolled in the driveway at one o'clock Thursday afternoon. We sat the blower on, bolted a couple bolts on, we took off to the track. So yeah. we got there about five o'clock. So you roll into the track at five o'clock knowing you've got to make in, Q1 in yep. what, three hours or two hours, something like that? Uh, like a, I think it was like 8.15 when we ran Q1. Man. And I, th- I think that's what people so, miss. I really think people miss from the outside. They they go, well, three weeks. You had three weeks to put that. Like, but there's nothing, you know, you don't go to Walmart. Nothing and goes just get right. The, yeah, you, you don't just go to Walmart and get the next, you know, whatever, uh, because all these things are stocked. These are all custom people. When you're trying to go, what did you dial all weekend, Ash? You went, uh, what, 385? Uh, I was like three, yeah, 384, 385, mainly all weekend. Yeah, you don't you don't have a lot of uh, just generic parts that you can just go pick up anywhere when you're trying to go 385. So, you know, uh, I, I think that's something that a lot of people miss. And and I've known your family for a long time, and you know it is it's a whole family effort up there. And you you know you got yeah. the grandma and grandpa involved, and then and then you know your sister and her kids are at, at the track. I mean it's uh it's it's a whole family effort. So. You had to feel mm-hmm. good when you finally got to strap in Thursday night and actually make a pass because it, you know, it, it was it took some work to get to that point. It yeah, it took some work, and then once we finally got it together, we were having issues putting it together, come across the broken parts, so we had to go hunt down some things before we could even get it started for Q one. Oh my goodness! So yeah, we had a broken nozzle on the back of the blower, so, so we had a luckily. Bill Riddle saved us on that end. So did did you make a clean pass though in Q one after you kind of? Yeah, we were in three eighty six, I think. Okay. So, literally, we yeah. changed the tune up from our quarter mile tune up, changed pulleys, changed the shift, and went A to B. Yeah, I was just looking at the qualifying sheet, and it looks like you just roll in and put the blow on and go number six. So you were like in the top half of the. On the sheet. Yeah, we went. Yeah, we went number three. I think the first after the first round, and then we didn't really touch the car after that. So we just fell down gradually. And Ended listen, up number six, which is still pretty good. JP, I got to tell you this too. I I know Ashley's dad. I I know Ashley's dad very well, and I what I want to say is that he's really matured because in years past, that dude would say absolutely not. Number six does not sit well with me at all. The only number I'm interested in is the one with a straight line down, and I want to sit at the very no, top. Number one. I want to go yeah, number sure. one. Number two doesn't cut it. Number six certainly doesn't cut it. And what I know about this weekend is that he said, you know what? Let's. It's running we're, well. We're just going to let it ride. We're just going to let it ride. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I feel... <laughs> 
that's that's a step that's a step that your dad has not done uh that often in his life yeah yeah he takes a personal I think being offense around yeah being around andy and lester how they're so chill and kind of laid back has kind of rubbed off on him i think a little bit yeah yeah especially things like that well yeah that just it it took me back. Obviously, you you qualify at number six, or would finished at I think number three. You know the three spot or whatever. Great, and you can obviously win from there because you did. But I just thought mm-hmm. that was a a decided turn in how he crew chiefs, and um, and good for you guys that you got you got the end result you were looking for. Because I'm I'm not sure if you hadn't won Ashley, if he would have ever done that again. Like, don't no. you think, like, don't you think he needed to win in order for him to, to say? Just the, it, it just kind of puts the icing on the weekend. Right, right. With we, with how, how terribly it started. Yes. And how terribly, like, the week leading up to it was going. It was definitely the icing on the cake for it. Yeah, that's, that's so, great stuff. At what point in the weekend did you kind of know? Where did you start feeling it? Because, I mean, you got to, you have a weekend like that right, starting off you know, with that kind of problem racing, you kind of, the doubt starts creeping in. So where did you start going? Okay. Got a handle on this thing. The car is running good now. Uh, It's time for me to go ahead and and, um, put this thing in the winter circle. I'd say probably after the second qualifier. So we ran a 386, then a 385. Then it got in the heat of the day, our last qualifier, we went 387. So we were all like literally the whole weekend, we were within three numbers of the whole, like, kind of running within each other. And I think first round, I had a gimme there. So the dude went 14 red against me, and I luckily was four red right behind him. And I think that was my gimme. And once that round passed, I finally was able to get comfortable enough and kind of just race my own race. Yeah, that you, like, it's so easy to say that like, Oh, you need one of those, but that, you know, it does like, once you get one like that, you go, okay, yeah. all right, we're going to focus up here and, and get rolling a little bit. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. So you get through round one, um, then round two and, uh, three, everything, anything stand out from that, from that action? Uh, no, it was just like really comfortable. I nailed the tree car. We ran off. We dialed safely, um, just based on who we were running and how the car was running. So we dialed safely, and the car ran what we were expecting it to run. So really, nothing there. And then come final round, we ran Tom Martino, and both of us have been double O and or like low tens the whole day. We both had right? the worst slides of the weekend. Oh, really? <laughs> we're like, how? Yeah, we're like, how in the hell did we manage that in the final? And both of us at the same time. Yeah, sometimes you you wonder, right? You wonder if uh, yeah, if everything's quite right with with all the stuff. But uh, but you come out on the on the winning end of that when the when the bulb lights up. That's man. Uh, yeah. What what, what goes thought, to your brain? Yeah. Then? Uh, we were pumped. Um, the last time we ran this race was, I think, whenever they did the ADRL series was the last time they were up at Martin. And ran, I remember running Craig Sullivan in the final. 
we had transbreak issues. Transbreak wire, something cut it. We had nothing. So we couldn't even run that round. So this race was kind of like a redemption race for me. Oh, so man. it felt when that went, when that wind light come on, it was just like a total relief and so excitement. Like we were all so excited. Yeah. Then, uh, and, but you had the whole crew then, right? Did, uh, did the grandparents so make I it had, up and the whole deal? No, for you? no, it was my mom, oh. my dad, my youngest niece, and then my daughter. Oh, that's so my fantastic. husband wasn't husband wasn't even in there for the race. <laughs> it was. Did he race in Indy this weekend? Is that what he did? No, no. He we had we've been building an addition onto our house, and he's been busy with work. So he stayed home to do that. Lester ran Indy though. Okay, gotcha. Well, um, yeah, like you've got uh, you got a full house of kids and the whole deal now so uh, you know you've you've grown up so yeah you need an addition to the house now is that what you're telling me yeah kind of we have a house and a guest house we're attaching the two kind of making it a little bit bigger gotcha well listen from now on let your husband race some more i mean will you like don't don't (laughs) be that wife do not be that wife actually where you don't let the hubs race but i always seem to do good when he's not with me though i'm just gonna start leaving him at home then right <laughs> right well you had a lot of Sorry, success honey. right <laughs> you had a lot of success doing it with your dad your mom your sister uh you know back in the day the twisted sister days um so mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe that just you go back into that old routine yeah no he's not gonna miss a race anymore <laughs> Right. He felt so bad that he wasn't there. Yeah. Now, uh, what is what does this mean then for the rest of your season? I mean, because you, uh, you can run both. Obviously, you can run the NHRA stuff. You can run yeah. PDRA. What? How does this change your thought process, or uh, did it change at all, or did you just yeah, kind of run your yeah. schedule? So we were initially going to do a mixture of both races, both NHRA top director and PDRA. But I think after this one, so we weren't really going to do many more after Martin. That was kind of going to be the end of it. But I think now we're going to head to Rockingham. So Rockingham's mid-September, and we'll kind of see how that weekend plays out. But then we're going to be bowling green the end of this month for the NHRA Divisional Race. So will you go to... Will you go to Darlington then in September as well to try to back this thing up? Yeah, that that's the the Rockingham, the Darlington race. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, sure. I'm with you. Okay, so yeah, that's so you're you're good to back that thing up and then uh, then rock and roll from there. So yeah, I mean, and rock and roll and see, they got three more races left, I think, as a PDRA. Well, if the ball keeps on rolling, we're just going to keep on rolling with it. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. And I know you finished in the top 10 last year in kind of per, a partial schedule, so maybe you'll improve mm-hmm. upon that this year, especially with this yeah. win and keep it going. Yeah, that's the plan. So a, I already had a runner-up last year, so it was nice to finally get that coveted win for PDRA. Right. Yeah, it's a, right. It's a big win. Well, I tell you what, um, if you need me to go – you know, steal or break something off your car so that you can uh, hustle around and try to get it fixed right before the event next time. Let me know. I'll be happy to do it. Uh, but uh, otherwise, just uh, keep keep it going. I'm rooting like crazy for you, Ash. 
I don't think we need that stress anymore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I don't think Dad can handle that stress. <laughs> no, you, I know it's uh, it's not the fun way to do it, but you guys did it uh, extremely well, got through it, and um, man, uh, what a great weekend for you guys and the whole family, really. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. I agree. All right. Well, thanks for coming on uh, and kind of letting our listeners in on the little, you know, inside baseball. It looks so simple. It looks like you just showed up. You went number three. The car's going rounds. It's so simple. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And not that way at all. And um, no, it's definitely not. Yeah, it makes it makes celebrating that much sweeter. It does. It does, especially when that wind line comes on that final wind light. We love it. Yeah, that's the one. All right. Well, hey, go get them the rest of the season, and thanks for coming on. Let's let's try to get you on a little sooner than the next 111 episodes. Sound good? All right. Sounds good, Rick. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Guys, girls, that was the great Ashley Johnson. Today's Half-Track Report is brought to you by dragracelawyer.com like it always is for your high horsepower legal needs get with ed harney at dragracelawyer.com jp what happened this weekend i mean we had lots of action lots of action uh what can you tell us about the winners and the people that competed very hard this weekend a lot of action this weekend rex and we will start off in in your home state uh indy divisional um, we'll right start off from the long track uh, with top dragster. Um, so we had 30 cars show up at the end of qualifying. Um, it was Afton Swanson, 6-12-7 at 2-30, so screaming out the back door to take number one. Yeah. Um, when it was all said and done, an eliminations, Karma Hopper was 0-2-9, goes 751 dead three on a 751 at 178 over Christopher Menapiece who had the starting line advantage he was 017 he goes 628 one at 233 on a 626 but karma takes the stripe 006 margin of victory so was able to was able to go dead three and, and hold him off uh congratulations to karma for the for his first win. Yeah, I can tell um, you this. I do not know Karma personally myself, but I do know that she uh, has ran in the past a lot of super quick and was an absolute killer uh, in super quick. And so, you know, running top dragster and doing well and winning that does not surprise me at all. So I, I don't know her, but I know um, she has a really um, cool piece. Um, it's And I don't say that about dragsters very often. But uh, it is it is a cool piece, and she can absolutely drive. So, no shock there, if you're asking me. Yeah. Moving on to top sportsman, twenty five cars showed up at any for top sportsman. Uh, at the end of qualifying, it was our guy Darian Bosch, six twenty nine seven at two twenty seven eighty eight to take the pole. Um, eliminations winner Dennis Dawson, and he goes just. Murders the tree, 002. He goes 672-4, 205 on a 670 over Mark McDonald. Mark McDonald was 023, 
goes 721 at 189 on a 717. So just wasn't able to overcome the starting line advantage. Uh, so shout out to Dennis Dawson for getting up on the wheel and bringing the win home in top sportsman at Indy. Yeah, that's nails, man. That is absolute nails. And I root like crazy for Mark McDonald because I like that dude. But uh, what are you going to do when you uh, see 002 on the other side? Hard to get inside of that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But a good weekend in Indy. Very good weekend there. What's uh, Where do we go next? We go north or we go east, JP? Well, we'll kind of go, we'll go, let's say northeast. We'll <laughs> okay. keep the NHRA theme going. And, I like uh, it. We'll, we'll, we'll go to Maple Grove, uh, divisional at Maple Grove. We'll start off with Top Sportsman. Um, 24 cars showed up, Top Sportsman. So a little light on car count, but still a good showing mm-hmm. considering all the racing that was going on. Yeah. Uh, at the end of qualifying, you had David Kraft. He was 646-4 at 208. Uh, so shout out to David for taking a poll. At the end of eliminations, it was Gerald Millette. He's 014, goes 703 at 184 on a seven-flat seven dial over Brandon Miller who's 027, goes 701 at 193 on a 699. Uh, another close one, 002 margin of victory. So, um, yeah, Gerald was able to use that starting line advantage to hold Brandon off. Uh, and Brandon's a tough racer. He's been winning a lot. So uh, congratulations to Gerald. But um, I think that's like – I think they said that was Gerald's third uh, division, Wally. So, I mean, he's equally as tough racer. So no, congratulations no stranger. to both of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, you start racking up the wallies. That is, uh, it's a good reason. I mean, it's a, those things do not come easy, and um, you know, you got a couple of them. It means you're pretty good at this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to top dragster, thirty-three cars showed up for top dragster, so uh, one did not get the play. <laughs> um, it was uh, Scott Lucan that ended up taking the pole, six ten six at two twenty nine. So we just, you know, right up against that, yeah, <laughs> right up that index. We just uh, just flirting with it. Uh, bump was a seven twenty five. I said thirty three cars, so they took thirty two. So one, so one guy unfortunately didn't get to play. Um, at the end of eliminations, it was Vince Mussolino. He's 012-670 at 187 on a 665 over Natalie Mussolino. What? What's the chances of the being two different Mussolinos in that area and they run each other in the final? I'm pretty sure they're probably related. I don't I don't know them personally, but they, they're probably related. Is it uh, – do we know is uh... – Natalie um, has to be a relative in some way, right? Um, we've got, uh, um, you know, um, has to be either um, a sister or something along those lines, right? Um, yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, I believe it's his sister. Natalie is, uh, I believe, is Vince's sister. So congrats to that whole Mussolino family, right? I mean, uh, how about daughter. that? Daughter? Yeah, daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just checked. Uh, so Pop's giving out driving lessons this weekend. <laughs> 
How um, big is Natalie that? was was 08 and went 7065 on a 706, but just wasn't able to overcome the the starting line advantage. So um, yeah, that's good. Uh, father and father and daughter matchup in the finals. I mean, it don't get no better than that. That's a win win regardless of who gets the trophy. So man, I'm telling congratulations you, like, to the Mussolino family for getting it done at the division at Maple Grove. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy paying the mortgage uh, and the college tuition and then have to listen to it about. How you know uh, she took old man out you know on the tree and drove the stripe like you don't want to hear that nonsense if you no. if you're paying the mortgage and writing the checks right so you definitely don't want to congrats hear to Vince <laughs> congrats <laughs> to Vince keeping some sanity nicely done <laughs> so let's uh we'll go back west and head we'll go northwest I guess yeah and and we're we'll going hit, all around we'll all around the Midwest here this week all folks. around. All around the place. We'll head to head to Michigan for the PDRA North Northern Nationals. Uh, we'll start off with top sportsmen. Um, car count not normal PDRA numbers, but still good car count all in all. Um, Forty seven cars total in top sportsmen. So we'll start off with elite top sportsmen and uh, surprise, surprise, the number one qualifier was who you think it was, Rex? Uh, Donnie Urban. It was not Donnie Urban. Oh, Buddy Perkinson. It was not Buddy Perkinson. What? It was Brian Laflamme. Oh. 378 2 at 194 13 to take number one in Elite. Yeah, you know what? Brian has really worked hard on his program over the. I mean, I, not that he's he hasn't worked hard in the past, but I know he's worked really, really hard on that. Let's call it in the last 18 months. I mean, moved across country so that he could build a you know a better shop and all, all the stuff that you you got to have in order to do this at the high level. So, congrats to Brian for you know taking that top spot. That is no easy feat. No, definitely not in elite. Uh, bump spot was a 415 <laughs> at the end of eliminations. It was our guy with the double up, Mr. Bullhorns to the front. <laughs> Dan Ferguson goes 018-381-3 on a 381 over Brian LaFlamme, who was 032-379-7 on a 377. Uh, Dan just had that thing rolling this weekend. Um, it 200-200-foot wheelies, flames, ah, I was like, wow, watching watching that thing this weekend. I mean, he had her wicked up. Listen, I, I'm a huge fan of Dan Ferguson. Huge fan. Um, you're a huge fan of the Bullhorns. That's what I mean. Like, uh, Dan Bullhorns Ferguson to the front MFR, right? I mean, that's how <laughs> that's how you that's do it, JP, I know. And um, it's just it's something about two and a half, three foot of flame just – coming out of them things on each side it, it's just something about it yeah uh, i like it especially at night right if you can get that yeah. action at night too man that's and not much he better. had the thing willian it, it was <laughs> i was just like okay <laughs> i'll see you dan <laughs> yeah right i see you i mean hey congrats dan and you know as um as his dad tells me he says hey you know the the where you want to qualify in elite top sportsman is in that five to eight category you know like number one seems like it's hard to hook up and be consistent there five to eight is very consistent and um you know and then you you really need you need 12 rounds or win 12 rounds over the season 
to have yourself in conversation to win the championship in PDRA, and that's four for Dan right there in one weekend. So he's he you know he's always a tough out. Dan is a great you know drag racer. Um, learned from some of the best, and uh, man, you, you cannot uh, count bullhorns back to out. back. So right, I mean, come on, man, like uh, he's. He's dangerous now and uh, hunting for another championship for sure. Yes, sir. So we'll move over into Top Sportsman 32, where our number one qualifier was Mark Payne, Virginia native, 416-2 at 174.69. When it all shook out, two very familiar faces and two friends of the podcast in the finals. It was Nick Maloney. He goes 0-1-3, 4-26-5 on a 427 over Joe Rubichek, who's 0-2-5, 4-24-6 on a 4 Oh, yeah, on a 425. So Joe broke it out. Uh, I don't know that he gets around the starting line advantage, but broke it out. So, you know, congratulations. Hats off to those guys. Good round. Um, congratulations to Nick. Seems like he was. Looked like he was in a little bit of a slump, but he's won two races in a row now. He won another event, I think, the weekend prior somewhere else. Yeah, you tell me. You right. tell me Nick's in a slump, and I'm like, well, what? He didn't win last weekend. I mean, that's well, like, you, that's you, a slump for him. <laughs> right. A slump for him is like not going into not going to a final or not winning. <laughs> right. Like he's like, oh well, yeah, either, really one of, str- either one of those guys. Either one of those. Guys. Right. And, and and Joe has been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, for sure too. And and it's another reason why I love that top sportsman 32 or you know the regular top sportsman i mean you're talking about two cars dialed 420s on a rail and then trying to judge a stripe i mean it it does not get much better than that in my opinion but i i'm I'm a freak but i I, and to me that doesn't get much better that's some of the most competitive top sportsman racing that you ever want to be watching or be involved in or any of that uh and Anybody tells you anything different is crazy. I can tell you firsthand, it, it's tough. We don't it, like them. Truthfully, if anybody tells me they don't like, I don't like them. So that's how, how yeah. that operates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to Top Dragster. Uh, top Dragster, not quite the car count we're used to seeing at PDRA, but you know it is what it is. Uh, 33 cars total in Top Dragster. Um, elite Top Dragster. Number one was Alan O'Brien, uh, mm. 378.5 at 199. So congratulations to him for taking the pole this weekend. And uh, hear a little bit more about that camp uh, later on in the show. Uh, when it all shook out, it was Ashley Johnson, who goes 03, 384.2 on a 383 over Tom Martino, who was 036, 388.5 on a 387. So Martino... Yeah. Just didn't get there. Yeah, and you heard you heard Ashley talk about that uh, earlier in the show about her action getting there and uh, all that. So yeah, what a what a great event for her. But uh, yeah, I mean that's a it's a good event and um, you know cool cool action top to bottom at the PDRA. They uh, they do pretty good. Uh, what happened on the regular side, JP? For uh, top sportsman regular or. We'll top say dragster. 16, top, top drag. dragster, I'm sorry. Top dragster, regular. Uh, number one qualifier to this guy, Nick Maloney <laughs> at 427. 427 He's really struggling. 
He's struggling. At 161. Yeah, he's basically got the dragster and the door car running like the same, <laughs> same yeah. ET. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, Bump was a 466.8. Uh, when it all shook out, it was Trayton Parker who goes 01, 452.8 on a 450 over Dickie Smith, who missed it a little bit and was uh, 075. 440 on a 439. So congratulations to all those competitors. It was a good competitive show and great crowd turnout in Michigan for PDRA. So hats off to everybody who got it done this week. Whoa, let's get out of the groove for just a minute. Uh, actually, we're not getting very far out of the groove here on this one, guys and girls. Uh, we're going to bring on a, a guest who's been on the show a handful of times but do yourself a favor stop the tape right now go back to episode 81 uh, you can also check out some of our live shows specifically at pri where jeff has stopped by um, one of just the just fantastic fabricators out there and uh, and now really making himself a name for himself behind the wheel of a pro 632 car Please welcome back to the show from Hubbard, Ohio, Jeff Melnick. Jeff, my man, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me tonight. Well, you um, you are doing very well in the fact that you've racked up some hardware in not your normal top sportsman uh, category, but in this Pro 632 category. Um, you've actually got quite a bit of hardware here lately. Um, talk to us a little bit about, um, we're going to get to some of the stuff that you've dealt with personally in a minute, but talk to us a little bit about this combination you have and, um, how you got to run, uh, 632 in the 632 class, as opposed to what you normally did in top sportsman and what you've historically done. Yeah. So, um, the guy who owns the car is named Alan O'Brien. He runs top dragster. Uh, he's a customer of mine. I've done headers on the 632 car back when he drove it. And I also did his quad turbo top dragster project that was uh, a big undertaking. And so we became pretty good friends, uh, even though he's, you know, like my dad's age. But we still get along great. And um, last year at uh, Maple Grove, we were at PDRA. I was running my car in Top Sportsman. He was driving the 632 car. And he just came over to my trailer one night, and he was just bummed looking. And uh, so what's the matter? Alan? he's like, man, I don't know. This 632 car is just fighting me. And I'm just not good at driving a door car. I'm just a dragster guy. I said, what do you want to do? He said, well, I can't, can't give up. I can't sell it or anything. Cause my dad, before he passed away, all he wanted was to see an AMC motor do well in a heads up class. So this is like his dying wish. I'm like, I got it. So you're going to, what are you going to do? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe I'll find someone to drive it. I said, okay. I said, do you have anyone in mind? And he's like, no, not really. I said, well, when you start taking applications, let me know where to mail my resume. Right. And he just turned and looked at me. And he didn't even, like, say a word. He just looked at me. And I'm like, well, that didn't go very well. <laughs> you know? So I kind of, like, chuckled. And, oh, whatever. I'm sure he's going to find some awesome, you know, pro stock driver or something to get in the thing. So I didn't think nothing of it. And then um, a few events went by. And he walks over and he says, hey. Tomorrow, get your helmet and come over to my trailer. And I thought he meant my welding helmet because I'm like, what'd you break? And he's like, <laughs> nothing. He's like, your racing helmet. I'm like, well, what do I need that for? He goes, make sure you fit in the Camaro. 
And I'm like, well, what do I got to fit in the Camaro for? And he's like, you want to drive it, don't you? And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. I said, I want to take that thing and stick it under my pillow. Yeah, I want to drive it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so he's like, well, come over tomorrow and make sure you sit. I said, Alan, I'm going to tell you right now, if my knees are hitting the roof, I'm going to tell you I can sit. So, <laughs> right, right. So he laughed, and I came over the next day, and he had a uh, pour-in seat in there, and it was too small for me. I'm a little bit bigger than Alan. So I said, can I take this pour-in seat out? I took it out. I sat right in there. I said, I need a little two-inch piece of foam under my butt, and I'd be perfect in here, dude. So he grabbed the seat out of his dragster, stuck it under there. Good to go. And we haven't done anything else since. I fit perfect. And uh, I'm a little heavier, so we had to compensate with that with the weight, the bias of the car, and move some, some lead around. But uh, I started driving it last year at the end of the season at the World Finals. And um, needless to say, there were some suspension things that were far off on it, uh, shock-wise. And I made a pass, and VMP is very smooth. And the first pass I make in the car, I think I was off the ground, going like half on the track. So like every time it would shift, it would like jump off the ground. And I'm like, these shocks are not right at all. So we started messing with shocks and springs and looking at things, and it got better and better. And we started making improvements every run at VMP. And we won first round. We won second round. We beat Lexi. We beat Amber. So that was like a big shot in the arm to beat some of those good, you know, like Amber just won the world championship and we just beat her. It was like, oh, my God, we beat, you know, the world champion. We're getting somewhere. And um, so that was a good uh, positive aspect of that. And then the race got canceled because it, it rained and couldn't get on the track. So we did a practice tree race with the four remaining drivers to see who got the trophy. I ended up winning that. So it was just cool to come out of there your first event basically with a trophy and you didn't get beat at all on the track or in the practice tree race which really doesn't mean anything but still it's just fun to get a trophy your first time driving it so alan was like well i can't tell you not to drive it anymore you didn't even lose a round so uh, <laughs> you want to drive it next year i was like yeah i'd love to so over the winter he sent all the shocks and struts out to penske and got everything redone and, and up to date for the car um and just really his whole family started getting into it big time where it's a hundred percent effort, you know, like he's running this program like a pro stock car where every inch of it is scrutinized and looked at. And if it could be titanium, it is, um, if it could be lighter ceramic, it could be whatever. I mean, he just goes to the fullest extent to make this car as efficient as possible. And I really think that's what separates us from the rest of the class where, a lot of people run these 632 cars like a bracket car where they don't take the tranny apart and change ratios per event. We do like right. they run this thing like a pro stock car. Like I said, it's, and that's just the difference where people think we have some unfair advantage with our motor combination. But in reality, I don't think believe that if we had a 632, I believe we would still be in the same position we are because of our knowledge, our tuning, Patrick Barnhill, Barry Allen, Alan O'Brien, these guys are absolute mad, mad, mad scientists with this stuff. They have an amazing car. Um, some cars are just better than others. And this car, uh, when Chris Powers owned it, it won a world championship in pro stock. And it just works. I mean, it goes down the track every run. It never aborts a run, ever. Over 60 foot in 940s. So it's straight as a string every time I let go of the button. So when you get that, then you can build confidence in your driving because you know when you let go of the button, it's going to go straight. It's going to be fast. So it really takes a lot of load off of me as a driver because, it, like, as my car, you're doing everything. You're, you're fueling it. You're maintaining it. You're packing chutes. You're tightening this, tightening that. I don't do anything in this car. These guys handle all of it for me, 
especially now that I'm sick with cancer. So I just get in and drive, and it's all I have to worry about is cutting the light, and I don't have to worry about driving the stripe. Just cut a light. So it's like it's <laughs> right. really easier than my top sportsman car was. So I can't thank the guys enough for allowing me to do this because it uh, it's been awesome. So we'll give a, continue to finish the rest of your up. Yeah, give Alan a lot of credit for man putting his heart and soul into that AMC motor. I mean, I you know I, the results speak for themselves. You guys have had a good finished or you know you guys started last year really with this thing. Um, you know, you win the PDRA Pro Stars, you win this last event in a combination that just not many people not only wouldn't put the effort into, but I mean, wouldn't even think about putting the effort into an AMC motor. And, you know, Alan uh, clearly has has put all the pieces together and then and then capped it with you driving, which is um, really a tough combination. And, and uh, talk a little bit because I know you, you know, you've had some you've had some uh, certain some adversity thrown your way personally. And then, uh, you know, here recently with the little bit of rule change and things like that. Uh, first, talk to us about, you know, personally, some of the issues you've, you've struggled with here over this last year and getting to this point. Um, I, I think this, this last weekend was, uh, was a good, was a high point, but you've had some low points here this last year or so. And uh, talk us through that and, and what that means for you, uh, your future, your family, all that stuff. Sure. So <clears throat> around the first of the year, um, I've been I've been on like a weight loss kick, you know, for the last year or two trying to lose weight, and I'm down like 50 pounds from where I was. So I've been going to the gym, and one night I come home from the gym, and I'm sitting in the chair getting ready to go take a shower, and my face goes numb. Like the right side of my face just goes numb. And I'm like, whoa, like, was this a stroke or what is happening to me? So my wife, she's a medical person. She's an ultrasound tech. She knows much more about medical stuff than I do. So I'm like, Aaron, my face is numb. Like, what do I do? And she's like going through like stroke protocol. And she's like, I don't think you're having a stroke. I'm like, it feels like I'm at the dentist. And they just put Novocaine on the side of my face. That's exactly what it feels like. Well, I had a cavity filled like two weeks before that. So I thought, oh, those damn dentists, they screwed something up in there <laughs> right. with one of my nerves or my tooth or something, you know. So um, it started happening like every day. So I'd call. It would only do it when I lay down uh, at nighttime. I'd be fine all day. It wouldn't do it. It would just do it at nighttime. So I called the dentist. I go in there. They look at everything. They x-ray it. They check my teeth. Can't find anything wrong. I'm like, well, this dentist obviously doesn't know what they're doing. I need to find another dentist. So I switched to a new dentist. Take my insurance. Go through all that crap. Uh, go to see them, same deal, go through x-rays, go through an exam. They can't find anything wrong with your teeth, your jaw, nothing. I'm like, you people are obviously stupid too. So I call my dog, Gary, Gary Schween, who's an oral surgeon. I'm like, I'm going above the dentist. I'm going straight to oral surgeons. And Gary is a great friend of mine. He has a, a oral surgeon practice about an hour away, hour and a half. So I call Gary. He's like, come in tomorrow, I'll squeeze you in. I go to Gary. Does a full workup, head CT, I mean, x-rays, looking at everything, adjusting my bite, talking about TMJ, all this stuff. Doesn't even charge me a penny. And at the end of it, he's like, I don't really know what's wrong. He's like, you had a, a crown put on. He's like, maybe something's wrong with that. Your crown and your root canal you had, why don't you go back to your endodontist? Sure. So I call that guy. <clears throat> go see him. And you know, weeks are going by. So it's like, we're into probably February at this point. 
And every night when I lay down, my face goes numb and it hurts and burns and stings. The only way to get it to go away is to walk around. So I would lay down at like 11 o'clock at night after a day of work and it would start to go numb and I'd have to walk around my house till 1 a.m. until my face would go back to normal and then I could go to sleep. And it was like so bizarre because we only do it once. It wouldn't keep coming back when I lay down. It would do it one time and that would be it. So everyone looked at me like I had two heads. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, I've never heard of this. So I go to the endodontist. He looks at everything. He's on the phone with Gary. They're trying to figure out what's wrong. And even he was like, sir, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, but when you find out what is wrong with you, please call me and let me know because I've never heard of seen anything like this. And at that point, I got kind of nervous because I'm like, hmm. I've been to four different teeth experts and jaw experts, and none of them know what's wrong with me. I've never heard of this before. Like, what could this possibly be? So I was at an indoor soccer game for one of my son's games over the winter, February, maybe March time by now. And one of the other dads was sitting there, and I was telling him about it. And I said, yeah, I said, my, my face keeps going numb when I lay down. And he goes, dude, I had the same thing happen to me. And I'm like, no way. Like, literally, I've been to four different people, experts, and they all think I'm nuts. And you're telling me that you've had the same thing? And he's like, I'm telling you, I had the same thing. I said, what was it? He goes, I had a pinched nerve in my neck. I'm like, what'd you do? He goes, I went to a chiropractor. I said, who'd you go to? Told me the name of him. Okay, it's 35 minutes away, and i got to drive past 15 chiropractors to get to this one, but I'm going to do it. I'm calling to that guy, and I'm calling him tomorrow, and we're going. So I went there. Plunk down like two grand to, you know, sign up for his whole package they get you on. And he's telling me you got all these pinched nerves in your neck and your back and you're all messed up. Okay, cool. So I go to him and really didn't get much better. Um, then it started being not just my jaw would go numb. Then my, my neck was hurting and my back was hurting. And he's like, well, you're really tense. Your muscles are really tight. Have you ever had a massage? I said, no, I've never had a massage my whole life. And he's like, well, I recommend you get a massage before or after you get your adjustments that way the adjustments will work better okay where do i do that at you gotta get physical therapy okay so i go to all physical therapy so now i'm going like mondays and wednesdays of physical therapy and tuesdays and thursdays the chiropractor so every day i'm running around trying to get this figured out the physical therapy place you know they're pushing and doing their stuff and hot needles and you know acupuncture and all kinds of cupping and shit they did and nothing seemed to get any better. And then all of a sudden, one day, my left arm was like immobile. Like, and I was crying. I, I was in so much pain. I was taking two extra strength Tylenol and four Advil at the same time every four hours to just get through a day. I was in that much pain between my neck and my back and my arm. So one day I came home early from work in tears and I said, I can't even work. I can't function. I can't do anything. I was frustrated. And my wife said, get in the car. We're going to the emergency room. And I'm like, whatever, I don't even care at this point, let's go. So we went to the emergency room. We get there that evening, and uh, they do MRIs, they do CTs. And uh, we're sitting there waiting in the room, and you know how they have the my chart on your phone. And my wife, like I said, she's medical, so she's into all that stuff. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there, it's like 1 in the morning, and she starts like hyperventilating. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, you don't feel good. Do you need a glass of water? Like, I didn't know that she was looking at my results in my chart app i just thought she didn't feel good and she starts yelling she's like someone needs to come in here like now like right now like oh my god like freaking out and i'm like what is wrong with you like get a glass of water sit down like chill and the doctor comes in and she goes are you reading his results on my chart and my wife couldn't even speak she just like shook her head yes and i was like oh shit <laughs> like this is why you're acting this way 
And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what's the problem? What's wrong with me? And they're like, well, you have spine cancer. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, yes, we're sure. We see seven uh, neoplastic lesions, they call them, that are growths in your spine that are indicate cancer. And that was really tough. So I'm like, am I going to be okay? And they're like, we don't know. They're like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, we don't know. We don't know what it is. They said cancer doesn't usually start in the spine. It usually ends up there from somewhere else. So you're going to have to go see oncology and figure out where this is coming from. And it's settled in your spine. We don't know where else it's settled. So at that moment, they were like, okay, see ya. And it's 2.30 in the morning, and you're coming out of the hospital thinking the worst. Like you literally think, I'm going to be dead in six months. I could have my whole body full of cancer. So uh, that was really, really hard for a few weeks until we got answers, you know, because all I could think is my little kids, you know, like, am I going to die? And then who's going to take care of my kids? Of course. It was very tough. So uh, the next day, you know, the next day we went to Cleveland Clinic. I told my wife, I said, well, we're going, uh, if this is what we got, we're going to Cleveland Clinic, packed some suitcases. My mom's in the corner watch the kids. Her mom came down from Michigan to take care of the kids for us. And uh, we're, if we're going for a day, a week, a month, whatever, we're going until we figure out what's going on. So we went to Cleveland Clinic. Um, and at this point, we're into um, the racing season. Like this is the week of uh, Norwalk, um, PDRA Norwalk. So um, we go up there and I go through the ER. We spent 36 hours in the ER before we can get a bed um, in, in the hospital. We finally get a, a room. Spine surgeons are coming in and meeting with us. And they're like, you know what? We really don't think you are a candidate for spine surgery. I'm like, well, that's good, right? And they're like, yeah, you don't want spine surgery if you don't need it. I'm like, yeah, that sounds terrible. So, okay, that's good. And they're like doing a bunch of scans and tests all the time. And they're like, you don't have it in your brain. You don't have it in any of your other organs. Uh, but we do see some enlarged lymph nodes. Okay, what the hell is a lymph node? You know, like can you just remove them or what, what is that? And they're like, well, no, not really. So they do a, a biopsy on my throat. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, they sent me, they were like, okay, it's Thursday. And they're like, okay, we don't really have any results, but we think it's probably lymphoma, but we don't know for sure. Okay. Um, you can go home. I'm like, really? I can go home. And they're like, yeah, you're getting discharged. So at this point, we had already got Travis Harvey to step in for me to drive the 632 car for the weekend. So I'm like, I said to the doctor, I'm like, do I have any restrictions on what I can do when I leave here? He said, no, do whatever you want. And my wife goes, he wants to know if he can drive his race car. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the doctors are like, wait a second, you have a race car? I'm like, well, technically I have two race cars that I drive. And they pull up chairs and they're like, tell us about it. And they were like the nicest doctors you could ever imagine these guys. They were so cool. And um, I always messed up their names. And I, I would mess them up now if I did it again. Like Novinsky and Hermaker or some crap. <laughs> I would always mess them up just to mess with them. But um, they sat down and talked about it. And I said, yeah, I'm like, at that point, I think I was in second place in the points. I'm like, listen, I'm in second place in the world championship. Um, I'm driving a car. It's a pretty high-end, you know, a whole operation for this guy out of West Virginia. And, He's got his whole life involved in this car, and if there's any way I can be there, I said, we travel over the East Coast. 
and just so happens that this weekend's race is an hour down the road normal. And the car's there. The team's there. They're just waiting on me to show up. I said, if I can get your blessing to go, I'm going to go. And he's like, go kick some butt, dude. He's like, you have no problem. Nothing is wrong with you that's going to cause you any impairment in the car, be a risk to anybody else. Um, he's like, the pain you're going to deal with on your own, if you can deal with the pain to get in and out of the car, um, if you get into an accident, I don't think any of these things that are wrong with you are going to cause any other serious injuries that wouldn't automatically be caused from an accident. He's like, so, no, you're, you're fine to go. So literally drove home from the hospital after being there for a week, um, got the kids, and I thought, well, my car it hasn't been touched in weeks because of all this cancer stuff, so it's not even ready to go. So we just said, forget it, uh, leave it at home, and also, I kind of skipped over. In the meantime, my dad had to have a pacemaker put in, so he was recovering from that deal. So Jeez. he's my main help with my car. So I'm like, well, he's down to one arm and shouldn't be doing anything, and I'm just coming out of the hospital. So as much as it pained me to not go with my own car to a race, I just left it at home and just took the motor home um, and the golf cart. And then I ran the 632 car, and we ended up winning the event. So... Um, but that that's a that's weekend. a true racer right there. Like I mean, that's a true racer. Doc, can uh, I know you just diagnosed me with some terrible, terrible news uh, with can spinal cancer? Um, is it cool if I go race or what? I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's a true racer right there, Jeff Melnick. Well, I I like to think so, but you know what's weird is when I heard this spring that Lizzie Musi had cancer, yeah, and then I heard she was racing. I thought, well, that's so stupid. Why would you do that? Like, just take the time off and, like, take care of yourself. And then it happened to me. And I never even popped in my mind to not go racing. Right. So right. I, I had to retract my thoughts on Lizzie. I'm like, wow, I feel bad I ever even thought that about her because, you know, yeah. I thought, well, how dumb is that? Like, just, just take the time off. But then once it happens to you, you're like, why would I take the time off? Because how much time do you have left? You don't know. So why sit home? Uh, if I have this opportunity to drive this amazing car and, and I can physically do it, maybe next year I can't. I don't know. So we're going to do it when we can. Right. And we're in the hunt for a championship. And and I want to win the championship more than anything, and not even from the cancer, not even for myself, just because of all the work that I have seen Alan put into this program and Barry over the last, I mean, it's literally 20 years worth of work in this car. I mean, they haven't had this car for 20 years, but he's been working on these AMC motors and developing these things for legit 20, 30, 40 years since his dad and him raced AMCs in like the 70s. So they've never ran any other motor their whole life other than AMC. And they are the only ones who have progressed with an AMC where nobody else on the earth would ever think that's a good motor to make a fast car out of, you know? Um, I mean, he had me put four turbos on one with a Liberty five-speed and was registered. And everyone's like, what? And it's like, yeah, and it's an AMC motor. And they're like, what? I mean, it's like the craziest car on the planet. It just went number one qualifier this weekend in an extremely fast elite top dragster field against blown Hemis, against big block Chevys and Pro Chargers. It outruns them all. And it's an AMC. And it's a stock four space, um, stock camshaft location. These motors still have a timing chain on them. It doesn't even have a Jessup belt drive because no one makes one. So, I mean, we're out running the greatest 632s that have ever been assembled by brilliant minds like Pat Musi with an AMC motor that has a timing chain. 
So it's astounding. I mean, head stock head bolt pattern, um, they're just unbelievable. I mean, now we do have a billet block in the car for strength. Um, but other than that, you could take a stock AMC crankshaft and stick it right in it. You could take a stock AMC head gasket and put it right on it. It's not like it's some one-off crazy combination like Pelkarski, when he was running his deal, that was a moved bore space, altered like LS platform, but still wasn't based directly on a stock bore space motor. Right. So that's why all of his rules that hit him never hit us. And that's probably also why the class never decided to outlaw this combination as being something unfair because everyone laughed at it. They were like, who's going to build a stock bore space AMC and come out here and mess with 632s? No one. So yeah, it's legal. Well, now that we did it, everyone's crying. Well, this is unfair. Well, how's it unfair? You guys thought it was a joke, right? I mean, everyone laughed at him for years, and now that it's winning, it's like, well, this is unfair. Right. Unfair? If, it, if we if we had a Hemi in the car, yeah, it's unfair. We've got an AMC small block. No one else on the planet has one, and we they guys finally figured it out. He's been running 632 with an AMC motor for like four years, five years, even before Pelkarski ran the small block. Alan was out there with a, uh, a Cobalt that he ran, and he did terrible. I mean, he never did any good at all because they were trying to figure out how to make it work, and nobody saw the potential in the combination other than Barry and Alan. And so guys kept digging. What kept is the trick then, Jeff? Digging. Jeff, what is the trick? Is it, is it, does it hit some RPM levels that, Maybe um, the other guys in 632 aren't hitting, or wh where does it make power? Where does that EMC make power? No, I really think that, um, like, I know that one of the cars out there runs higher RPM than we do with a 632, than, than where our small block turns. So we really? don't scream the thing to, like, 12 grand. You know, like, I, huh. I think it shifts at, like, 9,200 or something, which is decent, but, I mean, I shift my big block Chevy at, 8400 so right. it's not like uh right outrageous um no the com the, the, what's what's the trick of this is really two things it's the combination of the car itself where that car some cars just work good and some cars just don't mm -hmm. and you could have the same car built from the same chassis builder they could be identical and it's still not going to perform the same some cars are just better than others this car is a phenomenal chassis um, we've never had to adjust the four link on it one time and it goes down the track every pass and we go 940, 950, 60 foot. Um, it has no rear steer. It has no preload. It, it's just a straight, true, perfect chassis that just flat out works is the one thing. And then two thing that is, um, I guess there's three things total that would make this thing what it is, what it is. The second thing is the combination, right? The, the motor, the tranny, you're in the gear ratios, the way these guys run this car. Um, like I said, they run it like a, a pro stock car or a pro mod car where every week, if we, if we put four runs on the car, the motor comes out and gets completely disassembled. The hmm. transmission comes out and gets completely disassembled. The rear end comes out and gets completely disassembled. The rear end gear in the car is some like $4,000 gear that only gets 20 runs on it and then it gets thrown in the trash. Because... <laughs> I mean, this car, you, you, I lifted at the 330 on a run at VMP and shut it off and coasted all the way down to the last turnoff around the bend and out of the woods and halfway up the return road. 
it just rolls for. And my dad came to get me. He goes, "How do you get so far down here?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I just coast forever. Like it, it will literally roll forever. It's efficient. There's yeah. no resistance in that car anywhere that doesn't need to be." I was going to say, so that, it seems like, like from the outside looking in, it just seems like a combination that's just been refined and refined and refined until yeah. it's gotten to where it's at, and and that's just a testament to y'all's work. <clears throat> yep, and that's the third thing that makes this car successful is the people. So you got Alan O'Brien, who is the ringmaster. He's writing the checks. And, yeah, people will say he's outspending people. Well, guess what? You don't run a heads-up car on hopes and dreams, right? So I was looking on the back of the uh, the Shameless trailer, when West Stefano has Doug Nichols' trailer. It says on the back door, speed costs money. How fast do you want to go? So I don't know why any 632 guys are complaining that we're spending too much because that's exactly what it says on their trailer. So yeah. um, it, it costs money to go heads up racing. That's just the, the nature of the beast. Whoever has the most money is not always going to win, though. So you could hand some of these teams a million dollars, and they're not going to figure out how to beat us because they don't have the years of knowledge. Like if you take Allen's years of knowledge, Barry's years of knowledge, Barry's 73 years old, and this dude will outwork any 33-year-old you want to put him up against. I mean, he never quits. From 7.30 in the morning till midnight, he never sits down, he never eats, he never takes a break. He, he's so sharp mentally, too, for 73 years old. The guy knows so much stuff, it's crazy. And then you add Patrick Barnhill on top of it, who's like the genius of the world of tuning. So you take those guys, that's the main core brain trust that's figuring out this car going on the track like crazy. Then we have another crew guy, Travis Pope who's fantastic also. This guy takes care of everything else, fuel in the car, parachutes, nitrous bottles, CO2 bottles. I mean, he makes sure the car is top-notch, every pass, everything we need to go, and they never forget anything. So, like, as me as the driver, I have complete and total confidence every time I get in the car that everything is going to be done perfectly. So I never have to worry about, like, hey, you know what? Is that wheel tight? Did I put the fuel cap on? Right. Is that bolt going to fall out when I let go of the button? Is the car going to go straight? I never have to think of that. I get in the car, and it's complete concentration on the tree and winning this race. So it takes so much pressure off of me where I can just do my job because I know those guys did theirs. And that's the main thing. It's like, it's like a thousand-piece puzzle, and we all have finally have the thousand-piece puzzle put together right. But it takes a long time to get those thousand pieces in the right spot. Well, it's impressive to watch from the sideline, and I know you guys have worked your tail off and and battled through it, man. Like, uh, it sounds like you have some good uh, prognosis for your personal stuff, the the cancer. So I'm I'm excited about that, and it feels like uh, you're going to keep getting healthier and healthier, and you know continue to run this AMC combo. Um, to the much to the dismay, it sounds like of a, a lot of the 632 class because you have been absolutely killing it lately, Jeff. And uh, excited to see what else you guys are going to do that thing. Um, you know, nicely done. Congrats and thanks for coming on and telling that story because it's. Uh, it, I know you've been through quite a bit, and man, uh, take the take the highs because you know the lows have been there, right? Yeah, for sure. That's what makes the highs so sweet is because you felt the lows and like that Norwalk week was very tough where you're laying in the hospital bed. I'll never forget the feeling I had laying in the bed and my, my room was facing West. I couldn't remember, couldn't forget just staring out the window, looking West as the sun came up 
thinking, what the hell am I doing in this hospital bed today? I should be on the road to Norwalk right now. And instead I got this damn cancer and it's going to stop my whole life. It's like, I've been working my whole life. I, I have a business in, in motorsports uh, field. Like racing is what I love. It's what I do. And I finally am here and I'm finally competing for a world championship in a professional category. And I have to have this cancer come in. Like really, like, this can't be the end. This can't be how this goes. And I'll never forget thinking that. And then, like an hour or two later, the doctors walk in and he's like, Hey, we're going to let you go home today. And I'm like, you're shitting me. And he's like, no. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> and people were like, you know, did you like lobby to get out early to get to the race? I said, no, literally I was fine. with. I'm here as long as the doctors need me to be here to figure out what's going on. It just so happened by the grace of God that they Thursday morning, they said, you can go. So I'm like, well, I know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going home to pack a bag and I'm going to Norwalk. So, it felt great, though. They just that feeling of getting out because you felt like a prisoner. You know, you feel like I can't get out of this bed. I'm in this room. What am I going to do with myself? It's like, oh, this is just misery. So it was just a Cinderella story at Norwalk there to get that. And then we took the winter circle picture that night. And I didn't, my kids didn't know I had cancer at that point. Like, I didn't want to tell them. Um, so I kind of kept it quiet. But I, I also told Alan, I told butcher i told ferguson i told all my people you know they're my my close friends so when i won everybody came to winter like it was like 50 people in my winter circle picture so it's like uh, that's all that's the most special winter circle picture i've ever taken for sure it just feels amazing just looking at it on the wall that's awesome that's awesome hey jeff continue to get better uh keep it rolling we're so excited that uh you're on the mend and that uh, you've got got good things behind the wheel um Guys, girls, that is the great Jeff Melnick, if you need him. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone, JP, we've got some really big news. Um, We're talking about high mile per hour. We're talking about the Drag Illustrated Pro, which is the professional drivers uh, or what is it profession professional racers organization professional I think racer. right that's what it is yeah um, professional racer organization thank you and uh you know west buck and the drag illustrated crew putting on what is essentially a steroid induced world series of pro mod but for the top fuel uh funny car and pro stock drivers down in bradenton florida february 8th, I believe that's right. It's the Super Bowl weekend. So it's the second week in February, um, although they'll rain on a Saturday night before the Sunday of the Super Bowl. But that was the big announcement this past week, man. This was big, big news. We're talking about 250 GUR to win in Top Fuel, 250 to win in Funny Car, and there's a 125 stacks to win Pro Stock. So Big money on the line. I believe that's the biggest ever for these guys and certainly dwarfs anything they would get on the NHRA tour. Uh, And it's before the season. I mean, it's a a big deal, man. This was a big announcement that Wes and the crew did. Uh, They merged, you know, did a nice uh, announcement with Flo, uh, Flo Racing. So you can watch that on Flo if you want to do that. But I mean, what do you, what do you think about this thing? I mean, the, people have gone back and forth a little bit. I like it. What do you think, JP? Yeah, I've seen some of the back and forth. I think it's going to be good. I mean, 
those those guys are you know two hundred fifty k is nothing to sneeze at. But when you look at like a top fuel, a funny car, or even a pro stock operation, if you put it into that perspective, it's not a lot of money. But it's like you said, the biggest purses that they've ever ran for, and I think the bragging rights are what are really going to be on the line. So I can picture these guys going after it. I listened to the press conference, and you could kind of tell like. like Bob Tasca and uh, Steve Torrance and Tony Stewart, they were kind of like all chomping at the bit like, yeah, we want to get down there and, and you know, kind of let it loose and, you know, flex the muscles and see who's the baddest guy on the block. So I think it's going to be an awesome event. Um, it'll be interesting at Bradenton. It'll be kind of more of a home hometown track feel. Um, that's a good facility. It's not a overly huge facility like some of the facilities right. that they run at, but right. I think that I think they'll be more than accommodating for that race, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. And um, I'm I'm hoping that uh, I can sneak down there and get to see it firsthand. Right. Um, well, first of all, we know what we do know is this: Victor Alvarez and the crew at Bradenton have they're preparing for this. Right. They poured more concrete so that uh, the fuel uh, trucks and trailers can get in there and operate. You're right in the fact that Bradenton maybe doesn't have uh, the stands that, you know, a place like, let's call it Norwalk or Maple Grove or somebody like that has, but it's a cool track. Uh, it would be very well prepped. And, um, you know, that, what does it seat? I'm not sure. What does it seat? But, you know, as it's packed, I'm sure it'll be one of those things where the fire marshal shows up and makes sure that, you know, uh, we're not over full for any type of emergency and truthfully that's what makes it great in my opinion I, I would much rather be at a track that is completely full than a huge facility that is you know half full that, that's just me and i think that'll make yeah. it more exciting that's the greatest thing about racing when you get the when you just look around and you know you you pull through the water box and you kind of look around and you're like man it's loaded with people in here mm -hmm. and it's cameras flashing everywhere that that's some of the coolest coolest things about racing so that's going to be a huge event that'll be one of the biggest events of 2024 i'm sure but um we kind of glossed over something rex we might have forgot about something stop it we we forgot no no way as big as this pro news is we have some even bigger news break it break it our our girl uh our co-host that does a single single cylinder report Picked up her first PDRA win last weekend. We love it. Yeah, we so, love that. You that's, know, that's other big the, news, yeah. Got the shout-out, Victoria Beaner. Um, congratulations, young lady. Heck of a job coming off of a runner-up and then right back into the win. So, I love it. Those are those are two huge pieces of news right there. One, uh, you know, the top fuel funny car, pro stock guys running for big money, and then our girl, Victoria Beaner, making it happen, getting – the getting the stage all to herself um at the at the end she ran out of people to beat jp she ran out of them that she did she yeah. said she could have knocked off probably two or three more i'm sure if she if she had to but <laughs> yeah we, we we love her and she works so hard so uh well deserved for victoria but yeah th that's uh big big news um guys girls in the drag racing world and man uh doesn't seem like a bad idea to be in bradington in mid-february All right, JP, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. 
Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 121. Um, JP, there it is. There's the wind light, baby. There is the wind light. You know when the wind light comes on, you know what that means. Oh, here it is, too. It's this... Oh, God, she's so... It's... it's I mean, saying music to my ears is... I mean, cliche, but I love it. I love the sweet, That's sweet what, of Gloria. We should normalize Gloria being played in every winter circle. That's what we should do, man. I mean, why not? Why not is what I want to know. Uh, I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea, JP. Um, yeah, uh, we need to spread that. Play Gloria in the winter circle every time. Play Gloria. That's it. I mean, go back to episode number 11 if you have not figured that out at this point. But play Gloria in the winter circle is awesome. Um, we're going to have to revisit that, I think. Uh, that said, we had a great week this week. We had Ashley Johnson on, formerly Ashley Tidrick, uh, wins I mean, just a killer and top dragster. And then Jeff Milnick, um, you know, obviously standout top sportsman driver and now just doing very, very well on the Pro 632 side. Great story out of Jeff and, uh, you man, just rooting for both of those drivers like crazy. But uh, do us a favor, leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud, um, you know, Put a message on Facebook, retweet or repost our uh, our episodes on Facebook. That really helps. I don't know exactly why, but it sure does. Um, so, guys, girls, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down. And travel safe. Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is brought to you by Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is the fastest gaming action on earth using the fastest motorsport on earth. Go to the Winlight Bets Facebook page, like and follow to be up to date on all the latest information around gaming and your favorite sport, drag racing.